welcome to the Dad Strength Podcast, helping you earn the mug that says world's greatest dad. My name is Jeff Gervitz. I am your host. I am a dad. And despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. You know that one? Gen X classic. But what would the opposite be? Because of my abundant love, everything is going pretty well. Thanks for asking. Does that hit as effectively? Maybe it should. I bring this up because so much art is about drama and heartache and adversity. We love a comeback story. We love to hear about someone who survived some kind of crucible and came out thriving. And I think those stories are important. However, in our quest for drama, I wonder if we miss out on some of the quiet moments where everything is just working. No drama here. No heartache. Can we even root for someone with that kind of life? Someone who came from the suburbs and had a good heart and great parents. Where's the devastation? You know, I believe that this period will be looked back at as the trauma era. Gabor Mate, a fellow Canadian, someone with an incredible mind, has been instrumental in helping people understand what trauma is, how it presents, how to work with it. However, the other edge on this sword is that a lot of conversations seem to be centering on trauma, which is useful until it's no longer useful. We have to be conscious of differentiating experience from identity. This happened to me instead of this is who I am. That's one of the reasons that the strength in dad strength is rooted in an examination of what works. It's a different lens. It asks us to look for signals of success and then amplify them. And it brings us to what is possibly the most wholesome episode I've ever recorded. Maddie Leon is a Hamilton, Ontario-based singer and songwriter. He's a father to Lila, who will be, as I record this, starting to walk around on her own. He's got a warm, open sound to his music and a hell of a golf swing. You'll hear about both. You'll also hear about his upbringing, his work, and the song that got this whole episode started. Before we begin, this is your reminder to sign up to the Dad Strength newsletter at dadstrength.com. It sums up the wisdom from our weekly calls, and it's the best way to keep posted on our online and in-person events, including retreats. Now for Maddie Leon, let's get into it. So, like, did you always want to be a dad? I knew it would happen eventually. It wasn't something that I was like rushing to do. And it wasn't something that I was like, I need to do this right now. I was always kind of concerned being a musician, there's no stability in what you're doing anyways. If my life path was a little different and I had found something that I was kind of settling into, then I think I would be quicker to want to do it. But being a musician, like you literally just never feel settled. And I was a little scared to do it at first. But, you know, like a lot of friends and stuff told me that you're never ready for it. Like, you're never going to be ready for it. You just do it. And um, I think that was kind of right. Like, I, I think I couldn't be happier now, but I was a little scared before, for sure. Yeah, that's my experience, too. You yeah. feel like, yeah, maybe someday when everything's stable and locked down and I've completely <laughs> grown and matured as a yeah, human being. Exactly. It's like, well, you can, it turns out yeah. you can't have babies when you're 117. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if we're going to make moves. When you're like a kid, you kind of think of your parents as being like so old and established. And like, those are your parents and they're sturdy, like, you know, oak trees. But they were like 26 when they had like our family, when they started our family. And 
you know, there was no way they were, they knew what they were doing either. And, uh, but it never feels that way for yourself. Yeah. You remember your dad as being probably looking very old in his right. mid twenties. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ancient. If we were going to go back into tiny, you know, seven-year-old Maddie Leon's head, what, how would mm. you describe your dad? I guess, well, he was a teacher. So like very smart, athletic, kind, caring there, like, like there for all of us. He was great. Like I, I, he was, he was incredible to, to have his dad is incredible to have as his dad, <laughs> I guess looking, yeah, looking back, that's a good question. I've never thought of that. Yeah. As a seven-year-old. Yeah. All those things like dependable there, an adult though, for sure. Taking care of things. It never seemed like he was having a tough time with us or anything like that. How do you think, cause it's, it's kind of a funny question, right? It's like a memory of a memory, but when you were a kid, and I assume this was influenced by your dad, did you have a sense of like, what is, a, what is a man? What is masculinity? What, you know, what do men do? Did you have a, a take on that? He was like a really, like a kind person and took care of people and like um, doing the right thing was like manly. It wasn't like fighting or anything like that. He was never, he was always like smart, use your words and do like what's right. Like truly like do the right thing. So as far as like the masculinity thing, that's to me what it was. It was like being right and being fair and um, being kind. And it wasn't like the typical hard edge masculinity thing at all. He was kind of like, use your head. That makes sense. And I mean, for me, that, yeah. that was always the, the version of masculinity that resonated with me. You know, I have a lot of love for Mr. Rogers who yeah, isn't, yeah. you know, doesn't look like a lumberjack, but would do things that took incredible courage and, uh, you know, in the, right. in the aim of, of walking that line of, of what you personally right. believe is right. So I think that's, that's really powerful and it's cool to hear, but how has that influenced you in your life? Where do you see maybe glimmers of your dad and the way you parent or the way you interact with people? Yeah, I think interacting with people for sure is like, I'm not an aggressive person at all. That's not an instinct for me is if things are going bad for me to like get fired up or anything like that. It's, it's a pretty cerebral thing. Talk, do what's right. Be fair, be kind. Yeah. Like kind of all those things. And I think that's how I was growing up too. And when your dad is like a person like that, if you're trying to impress that person, you're not fighting and being a dick to people. Like, like you're trying to like echo what, what he's taught and so I think that's kind of how I moved through you know my younger years and teenage years was like being a good person and trying to do the right thing was like very valuable to my family it's cool to hear how do you think about that now as an adult with a uh, fully formed brain you probably yeah. built this into maybe some some habits or some operating principles yeah. um, how do you think about all of this now yeah, I think I, I think I'm still just trying to do the, those things, like, like trying to be that kind of person that he was, for sure. My philosophy is is totally like what I assume his was probably at that time, and those are the things that that matter to me too. It's like, although it's hard, sometimes it's harder to to talk things through or to be fair or to do be kind. Like it's hard to be kind if somebody's pissing you off and stuff like that. And yeah, I think I, I'm I'm doing the same 
same kinds of things that he does and and he would do. Man, I've never been asked these questions. This is kind of crazy. <laughs> this is great. It's such a a wild thing. We don't necessarily think about how our rules or our principles are being constructed when we're kids, but you see this yeah. stuff kind of come about and like to me it's fascinating, right? We all parent, we all, you know, conduct ourselves in part as a product of the way we were parented, in part I would think as as a reaction to the way we were parented, maybe if we felt something was missing, something we wanted yeah. to address. Is there anything that you kind of said, you know, as a new dad, okay, we're, we have, we, we're going to do this. I didn't, I didn't have X, but I'm really, I'm going to make sure. No, no. Sh shaking no, your head. Everything no. was there. It was like, it was all there. Yeah. For me and for us, I'm just hoping that I could do like a comparable job. That's all. No, there's nothing that that I was like, oh, we need to do this because I I didn't have that growing up. We love an angsty story. We love um, a I tale know. of oh, I know. <laughs> overcoming. But I think what a beautiful thing to say. I'm just mm -hmm. gonna try to be the kind of dad that yeah. I had. It's really yeah, powerful. Totally. So let's use that to segue uh, into how I was introduced to you. So we we share a friend. He's been a friend of mine for you know 15 years. And uh, he is my in, uh, jujitsu instructor now. And one day he uh, messaged me. He said, "Are you coming in to uh, to train tomorrow?" And I said, "No, no. Uh, what's up?" And he said, uh, "It's it's okay. I'll, uh, there's something I want to show you." And I assumed it was a technique. I was assumed it was a way to choke a person unconscious or make yeah. their their joints go in uh, places they weren't designed to go. And then we went right. through class. I didn't hear anything. And then he he said, "Come downstairs into the gym." And I thought, "Oh, well, maybe he's going to show me a new piece of equipment." What he did instead was say, well, you, you're going to cry now, so let me set you up on a bench over here. <laughs> and uh, like like an emotional puppeteer, and yeah. he'd already done this to two other people, two other yeah. stout men. And um, so let's let's talk about that. Can you can you give us some background on this song? It's That's so funny. He's like turned it into like some kind of dad challenge. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's this song that I wrote recently. Um, it's on our new record. It's called Father's Wedding Speech. And um, about a year and a half ago, I was at uh, some friends of mine, their wedding. And for the speeches, the speech section, uh, the father of the groom, he, he said this great speech. And then at the end of it, he kind of looked at his son and he said, uh, you're made up of the best parts of the best people that I've ever known. And, you know, like everybody was tearing up and it was just like such an, an amazing moment. And me as a songwriter, I'm tearing up too, but I'm like, shit, I gotta, I gotta use that like in a song. So I messaged the, the father of the groom, Doug, and, uh, I asked him like, Hey, I think I got to write a song of using your speech. If that's okay, can you send it to me? And, and he sent it over and it took me a little while, but I kind of fashioned it into this song that it is now that Nelson is showing people and, uh, <laughs> trying to uh make people cry um but there's a great song by mark Cohn. it's called the things we've handed down and i even took that that title i put in the song because i kind of wanted it to feel the same way that is another song that uh if father's wedding speech made you cry the mark Cohn song will also do the same thing it's just a father telling his son something you know how proud he is and um yeah even that statement, like I get misty hearing yeah. that statement. You are yeah. the best part 
of the or the best parts of the yeah, best people I know. The best parts of the best people that I've ever known. It's incredible. No, I know. Mm-hmm. And the father of the groom, his parents, you know, I can't remember who was there, but you know, a few had passed away. And just to like what a way of saying you're proud of somebody. It's like it's just a, a really moving end of the speech. And uh I'm happy that I'm a songwriter that I could kind of take that moment and turn it into a song. Yeah, it's cool how songs can kind of carry a moment for for a longer time, you know? What are your hopes for your daughter? Hmm. I hope we can give her everything she needs, like not necessarily wants, but like needs. I hope I can be there for her and we can be there for her in the same way that my parents were. And as a support, like for my parents, like everybody talks about, you know, losing touch with your parents when you're in high, that high school age. And so it never happened to me. Like I was always close with them throughout the whole high school, college now. And for me, it's been really helpful. Like it's, it's never felt like I'm like an island. Um, I've always had a support. So I'd like to be that kind of person for her. Um, Whether that happens or not, who knows? Definitely, like one of the things in my head is I think for every parent is like you're worried about providing enough, especially as a musician. That's something that crossed my mind a lot and being worried about being able to provide the stuff that she deserves. But I also like what better way to show your child that they can do anything if you're doing it. You know, you can't just tell a kid, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want. And then they turn 18 and you're like, okay, actually, you can't. You've got to, you got to get this and you got to get this and you got to do this and be this person Great and make point. this amount of money. I think I, me being a musician, if I can get to the points where I want to and pr- like kind of walk the walk that you can be something different. And uh, if it makes you happy, that's what exactly you should be as opposed to anything that anybody else thinks you should be. You know, I had this great conversation last night. I was, a, you know, an entrepreneur type thing as an event and we talked about failure. And we talked about the value of normalizing failure because when you're doing yeah. something, when you're when you, when you're taking it out on your own as you are as a musician, when you yeah. when you put some real risk into things, right? If you have a billion dollars and you invest a tiny bit, you're safe. But that's not yeah. what this is about. It's about taking real risk. And we acknowledge that when you take risk, often you fail. It doesn't mm-hmm. go your way. And you know, I often talk to dads about. Um, do you really believe in the value of health, for example, or is it a thing you right. tell, right? We tell other people they should take good care yeah. of themselves, right? But do we do you do yeah. we take that on? Are you going to raise a kid that tells other people to take good care of themselves, tells other people to set yeah. boundaries, or um, are you going to be someone who does that for yourself? Yeah, I've been telling you to pursue your dreams, follow your mm. your bliss, do what you believe in right up until you hit 18. You're like, we're yeah. going to have to lock you down a safe corporate job. And I don't, I don't even know if that exists anymore yeah, yeah. Um, as an aside, but are we really showing our kids? So we want to be successful. And one of the things, you know, that really, I think one of the big tensions for me is I want to have a secure financial reality mm-hmm. for my kid. So he has stability. Yeah. So he feels like his dad is a success. I know money isn't a huge driver for me, but it's something I'm constantly aware of being oh, in the totally. world yeah, yeah. we live in. But you know, um, maybe it is that I'm taking these chances too, and they're not all going to work out. We're all okay with that. We understand that you're going to do the same. And when you fall down, 
it's going to be cool. We're going to be all right. So I think there's, there's a courage in that. Um, But the other thing I wanted to ask you is, and I know we can't control this, but I hope just like you described as my son goes into high school and beyond to Mm -hmm. maintain a strong relationship. So I want to ask you, looking back on, on the relationship you had with your dad, do you have any advice? Do you have any thoughts about how to, if we can't guarantee it, but how do you, how do you maximize your chances or, or what built into that? I'm not 100% sure why the relationship was so good throughout those, those years where it's supposed to not be good. I think my dad was a, he was a teacher at the high school that I ended up going to. So I saw, like, I was around him a lot. and. I think it's just like the kind of person I was growing up and the kind of person he was and that the, my parents were the people I gravitated towards were like them anyway. Like they were good people that were kind and did what's right and um, worked hard. And so like the, those were kind of my friends. There was never any moment where it was like the people I was choosing to, to hang out with were were people that, you know, might worry them. So I could have friends around and, and it was never, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but th- that's the only thing I could think of yeah. is that like, they, they weren't, they were also supportive of like my friends and, you know, f- some of my friends had him as a teacher and they liked him as a teacher and a professor and stuff. So I think it was just easy for me to bring friends around and for him to be around. And he gave us space for sure. He was just kind of supportive the whole way. like didn't put a lot of pressure on about anything but the second you chose something that you wanted to do my parents were like very supportive like as an aside i had two older brothers growing up and then a little sister and it was like we had this big house in brampton and whatever thing we were getting into the house kind of morphed into supporting that thing so like we were you know hockey players as kids and the basement would kind of have some hockey stuff like a place to practice and then we, as we got into golf, he turned like a back room in the basement into a golf room, like with a net. And he, he didn't like build it and then say, you better get your ass down there and, and practice. I built this thing for you. It was just like, oh, hey, you're liking this. I'm going to build this. Go for it if you want to. And then as I grew up and got into like later in high school, it was like I really got into music. And then it was like, OK, well, this this area, the bit like if you want uh, to start recording, here's a thing for you. And now go. And I'm not going to push you to do anything. You can just, I can tell you really like this. Go for it. So I'll tell you what I'm hearing. Yeah. Described here. And and I think it's interesting because we so often try to motivate other people, which is not really effective or, or reliable for a whole bunch of reasons. But it sounds like what your dad did do was look, great curiosity. Yes. What are these guys into? What are they like? And then said, how do I make it a little easier for them? How do I take some frictions away? How do I make it easier for them to just engage with this? Mm-hmm. Right. So it sort of shaped the environment to yeah. fit those interests. So yeah. it's like, if you had a hankering, take some shots on goal, just so happens. Right. You didn't have to go find a place. You didn't have to go to the community right. center. It was, it was right there. Uh, if you just so happened later on, mm-hmm. it'd be cool to lay a track down and see what that's like. It was there. It was set up yeah. for you. I think that's, Really beautiful. I want, I want to ask you one more question, and that is, when you were a teenager, how did you think about friends that fit who you were? Like, did you have criteria? Did you have principles? What, what signals kind of let you know, this is a person I want to hang out with and spend time with? I don't, I don't know if I even thought 
thought about it that much. It was just like who you gravitate towards, who has your humor, who's into the same things that you're into. Yeah, I don't know. In high school, it was like I kind of got along with everybody, but my closest friends were like a lot just like me, you know, uh, which I think everybody's that's what friends are. It's kind of you gravitate towards like your your type of people. But I don't think I ever thought about it. Like, I don't think I ever thought these are the people I should be hanging out with, you know? Okay. Yeah. And no, I'm just curious. I asked because obviously your parents were comfortable with these guys, with these kids. You're, they knew you're going to be okay. This is not a, a rebel without a cause story. No, sound like a good no. kid. You're clearly yeah, a mensch yeah. now. Um, and it, I but think it's, that's it's the tough thing beautiful. about being a musician is like you're supposed to have all that, that inner turmoil and friction. And, and it's just not, it's not there for me. People love a good story like that. But the truth is, you know, we talked about taking risks sort of on a professional, maybe a financial level, but there's you take risks mm -hmm. on an emotional level too. And can you really put out what you're feeling? And I, you know, I, th I think the song we talked about is such a great example that you, you experienced yeah. something, found a way to amplify it, just tap yeah. into it and say, okay, how do we, how do we bring this out, sort of shape it and bring it to the world? So I think there's real power in that. And so that sort of takes uh, a courage too. And, you know, I'll often think about how it's a question, how do we feel safe enough to do hard things or how do we feel safe enough to do scary things? Mm. And so I think it's a completely different perspective. I think with, with me too, I grew up as a golfer as well from like seven till 21, I was like a very serious golfer. And then I got into music and it's like, I picked the two things that all that happens is failure. Like, it's like, <laughs> that's all you keep getting is failure, failure, failure. And that's like part of it. And yeah. if there is one sport that doesn't necessarily need some of that, the typical sport coordination and stuff, it's golf, man. Like <laughs> you can usually tell with like a basketball or skating or something, you can kind of tell if somebody is going to be able to pick something up and just do it. Golf, it's like there were guys, I went to school in the States and there were guys on my team that were great athletes that could play golf, but there were also guys that were like, they couldn't run <laughs> right? and they were incredible golfers. Like it's, it's more, it's like emotion, probably like there's a lot of fighting stuff. I'm sure that that would go hand in hand with, with golf. It's like emotion yeah. that, that it's kind of like Zen. And if you do the motion properly, then the ball will go properly. And it's less like instinct. It's more like motion. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Be less. Be less yeah. intuitive. Be less off the cuff. Do yeah. the do the thing. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. that's a really interesting insight. As different as golf is from music, the idea of you just getting defeated constantly, it almost prepared me for music how hard it was gonna be. You know, it's so easy for people to like quit music because mm -hmm. the rejection's crazy, even if it's just like rejection in emails. It's like it's horrible. Like every year you apply for, you know, 80 festivals and it takes weeks and then you might hear back from like three and that's been like 10 years of doing that or 15 years. And, but I'm okay with it because I know that that's part of it. So maybe I got a lot to, to golf too for, <laughs> for that stuff, you know? What's your process for dealing with rejection like that? It hurts every single time, but then I just have to kind of shake it off and, and, and keep going. and. I think a big part of it too is like being aware when something good happens and like soak it in because mm. the rejection, those happen a lot. And sometimes the rejection isn't even like nothing you could have done for these festivals or something. Like maybe they're just not looking for somebody like you. 
but those moments like at a show when things are going well or when somebody actually comes up to you and says like this song really meant something to me it's like you really gotta take that in and and hold on to that and let the the failures go and sometimes there's stuff in the failures that can kind of push you in the right direction to be successful the next time yeah i don't think we're taught to like learn from our failures enough we're just taught that if you fail you are a failure Mm -hmm. um whereas that's where everything is it's like is is in those failures and especially songwriting it's like you write a song it's never good right away and you have to be able to pick out the things that have gone wrong or that's wrong and if if somebody gives you feedback that maybe you don't want to hear it hurts but that's should only help you push it forward and and build whether it's a song or like your career or whatever but yeah failure is just kind of part of it hey man thanks for coming on thank you for having me all right if you made it this far then you found something positive in something positive i think that's it's pretty great I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. And I want to encourage you to look at what's already working in your life, what's good, even when it's good by accident, and dig into what really works about it. There's gold there. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Big thanks to Maddie Leon, who is gracious enough to play us out. A special thanks to Castlemore Records and to our mutual friend, singer, songwriter, BJJ Black Belt, and father of two, Nelson Sabral, for making me cry. Maybe both of us. See you next time. And until then, take care of yourself, man. You've got your mother's eyes and endless youth Where she lifts up every room Nobody sees it the way that I do When'd you get to be so brave? Haven't seen that strength since my mom passed away It's like she's here when I'm with you
has been the Dad Strength Podcast, hosted by me, Jeff Gervitz. Title music by Daniel Ross. Additional music and editing by Jeremy Glenn. Father's Wedding Speech performed by Maddie Leon. Written by Maddie Leon and Michael Leon. And Nelson Sobral, produced by Mark Howard. <laughs>